is Juliana McIntosh. And I'm Brad Sutton. And, and this, this is, is The Art, Art of, of Drinking. Drinking. With Join Jules. And your favorite uncle. This is the best home bartending podcast. Where you learn how to make two drinks. A classic. And a twist. Plus a little backstory on the cocktail. So you have an interesting story to tell when you serve your guests. Your home crafted masterpiece. Brad, back again. Yeah. Back in the saddle. This is a this is an interesting episode today. This is a fun one. I will have to say full transparency, the cocktail we're talking about, the Singapore Sling. Easy for you to say. <laughs> Singapore Sling. Singapore. <laughs> I'm halfway through my cocktail before we oh, started recording. I was going to say, one of the main ingredients that we all know and should all love, listen to Brad, you do like it, is gin. So I feel like this is a fun episode because we are talking about gin, but the Singapore Sling has a lot of elements to it, uh, which makes it a really delicious cocktail. Yeah, totally. And here's the bonus is that I told you we would use the cherry hearing that we got last season. So here Mm -hmm. it is. We're going to use it today. And bonus, we have a guest today. Oh, yeah, right. There's that. Hi. Hi, guys. I was at this liquor store and met this woman who runs uh, Bourget Imports, which is a distributor here in the Twin Cities. Uh, It's Minneapolis and St. Paul, for those of you who are like, why are the Twin Cities? (laughs) We just got to talking. I was telling her about the podcast. She's like, oh, my gosh, you got to come to our event. And so I went down to this event and they had all of their brands in. And it was like, seriously, like a kid in a candy store. It was like wines and maros and spirits. It was an incredible event that I was so, so sad I drove to. Because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wanted really to drink to and the yourself. food was awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. I really wanted Jeez, to get into I'm it. I'm jealous I didn't get the invite. Oh, yeah. if you were here, dude, you would have totally been in tow. But anyways, I'm you know kind of making my way around the tables. And I heard about this cool distillery that had some concept where they kind of travel around and make alcohol. I'm like, wow, how do they do that? And I went up and I, I started trying some of the spirits and I tried this gin and I was like, holy crap, this is like really <laughs> great. And uh, she told me Best the story reaction. behind it. And I'm like, dude, this is like, there's a there there. Like we got to talk to you. And so, so here we are. I did get a bottle. It's fantastic. It's yeah. so delicious. It literally has like Italian citrus notes to where I I just, you know me, I'm the CEO of spritz season. I want to spritz the gin. <laughs> it makes me, when you, I taste it, I was like, oh, I've got to spritz this. Yeah, yeah. I got to spritz Seriously. this. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it really is delicious. So it's Thank it's you. called the 1643 Alpine Gin. That, That's correct. Yeah. 1643 Alpine Gin. The one thing about this too that kind of blew me away, the bottle's yeah. beautiful. Like the Thank artwork you. is beautiful. I love me a good branding and yes. uh, that yeah. that catches your eye for sure. Thank you. Yeah, we get an artist to contribute a piece for every bottle that we make. So that was an artist so in cool. the Austrian Alps. This uh, yeah. wow. gentleman named Hans Salker who didn't speak a word of English and also would not accept money as payment. We paid him in alcohol. Oh, a my kind of guy. trade, as they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was it. great. <laughs> He was super cool. He wouldn't let us take photos of the inside of his studio, which was a bummer because it was beautiful. And mm. we just kind of walked in and everywhere, every as far as I could see, was laden with artwork. And it was just a, a really cool experience. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Gosh. Yeah. Well, I tell, well let, me, let me, I guess, formally introduce you here, uh, Devin. So we've got Devin Trevathan uh, with us, who is co-founder and, well, let's see. Here's my, I loved your bio here. I was, I was kind of doing a little uh, snooping on you. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. I don't even know what that's going to say. <laughs> Spirits producer, writer, and advocate for better drinking. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I am. You're on our team. <laughs> drink and I'm, I just want people to drink better, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In whatever way that means to them. That's the whole purpose behind this podcast. It's like, you know what? All that crappy stuff that you drank before and you swore off daiquiris, you swore off gin, you swore off this. Oh. Just put it all away because there's, there's room aside. to drink better and uh, experience really good stuff. It can be hard to put aside because smell and flavor is so intricately linked to memory. And I think mm-hmm. we all have had that experience where we smell something that just takes us right back to a day where we maybe made not great decisions. But fortunately, if you drink better, you get away from those those kind of 
products of the past. You get to embrace new, exciting, more flavorful spirits. Yeah. Totally. Gin is like, you know, probably the biggest victim of that because there's still- Gin and maybe rum. Yeah, well, rum. Oh God, totally totally rum. Totally, because there's just- Poor, poor rum. A lot of bad rum Which I feel like there's such a wide category though. Like there's so much to explore there. Yeah. Yeah, I think rum kind of, I mean, I don't want to get us too sidetracked and I will do that all the time, but I do think rum kind of suffers a little bit because of one of its actually greatest- qualities, which is that that category is way less regulated uh, strictly than than things like bourbon, for instance, which has a very mm-hmm. strict set of regulations that have to be met. Rum is a lot more fluid and open as a global category, but it also, I think, is it makes people a little bit, it's hard to get into it. It's hard mm-hmm. to really mm-hmm. understand rum. You right. start to wade in and it just right off the bat feels very opaque and very hard to like really grasp, but it's such a beautiful spirit. I got to ask, how do you categorize rum? If you were to categorize rum, because you got, and I, if I'm putting it on the spot, tell me. Yeah. yeah no, no, no. <laughs> I, I love these types of questions. How do I categorize yeah, rum? Yeah. So, you know, you've got light rum, you've got dark rum, gold rum. Right. I know silver rum. There's yeah. every type of precious metal rum that maybe exists. Totally. <laughs> I think in my mind, I definitely do think of rum broadly as... And a lot of spirits, but rum is a really good example of like, I would, I think about it in its unaged form. Mm-hmm. And then I think of it with some type of oak influence. And I think that's like mm-hmm. a really good, because the unaged form is going to have, if you distill it correctly, beautiful, like vibrant notes, just because of the fermentation and the way that you've handled the base material, whether that's uh, molasses or fresh juice or a turbinado sugar or some kind of sugar, granulated sugar. And then you can take that and you can change the flavor by adding some like oak influence, aging mm-hmm. it in some way, maturing it. Mm-hmm. But you're going to lose something, to, I, I think, when you go through that process. There are volatile compounds that will blow off just during the oxidation and it will change the character. But I think that that's a really good like start. And then you can kind of get into base material. That's also mm-hmm. a really good way to segment it. Yeah. Yeah. You've got your sugarcane juice. That's what you meant by juice, right? Sugarcane juice. juice. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you need to be close to the source yes. if you're going to make it with sugarcane juice because it won't transport. That's exactly right, which is awesome. I actually think that's one yeah. of the coolest things because, yeah, fresh juice will start to ferment immediately. Like it is, you can technically dehydrate it. And then rehydrate it, but that's obviously, you know, people are going to have thoughts about that and not yeah. feel like that's a very authentic thing to do. But yeah, you have to be super close. It starts to ferment right away. And there's a lot of like just natural kind of yeast and flora on in the juice that's that's left over, but it it will go crazy right away. It's amazing. Yeah. And that's with rum. And that's with rum. What are we doing? We're going down a rum rabbit hole. We're talking we about gin talking today. About gin. <laughs> you do, just so everybody knows, you do a rum as well, though. Yes. Okay. So I can, I'll tell everybody and you guys a brief kind of breakdown of the, the company. Yeah. Give us a backstory. Yeah. <laughs> I co founded a company called Liba Spirits, it is a nomadic distilling company. So what that means is just basically me and my business partner, we travel all over the world and we just rent space in existing distilleries that belong to somebody else, but we do all the distillations and the product formulation ourselves, And we use regional raw materials and we kind of pay attention to regional distilling practices in the intention of making spirits that have a sense of place or a sense of terroir and just ideally making something that couldn't really be made anywhere else. And it gives us the ability to make beautiful spirits and not feel kind of uh, restricted to the area that we are, which is great because that's usually something that's like the kind of big trade-off with distilling is that usually you you make it to one place and then you're there for a long time because spirits can mm-hmm. age for five to 10 to 20 years. And that's like serious time. And me, I am definitely, you know, a person who has a nomadic business, but I would say I'm like a nomad at heart. I always wanted to travel and move. Mm-hmm. So that's the broad idea. So we made a gin in Austria called 1643 in the Southern Austrian Alps. Thank you very much. I love that gin. I remember when we were making it and I was just like, oh, this is so, just it's tastes great. so good. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it mm-hmm. is like 
truly, I mean, we will take credit, but the materials, the ingredients, the the agriculture of that region was just so gorgeous. And I think that's really what comes through in the gin. And then mm-hmm. we made a rum in New Orleans, Louisiana after. That's awesome. How many do you make at one time in each location? How many bottles type of yeah. thing? Yeah. So, so like, are you ever going to run out? Like, oh, this is the last. Yeah. There's, there's <laughs> a sense of it that is a little bit more... I wouldn't go so far as to call them vintages in mm-hmm. the way that we characterize right. wine, but there is a sense of it that's a bit more at the mercy of growing seasons than your typical spirit. Like mm-hmm. the gin, we made just under 3,000 bottles. So truly very small batch. Like we're talking small mm-hmm. batches here. Wow. We can make more, but whenever we want to make more, we have to, we used a bunch of fresh Italian lemons and oranges that were just crazy gorgeous, like most beautiful lemons I ever saw that we got at this market in Verona, Italy. And we also used a fresh Italian juniper berry, but we have to have these things available if we want to make more. So that's kind of the limitation. Which, I mean, there's something really, I mean, I'm from, I'm from California and I feel like we're all about, you know, using fresh ingredients, what's in season. So there's almost something really, you know, you want to grab it before it's you know, gone or I don't know. I don't know. I love that. Yeah, I I, hope, I think I it's super great. The, the vibe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I feel like it's kind of hip too, you know? It, yeah. You know, I I like I am a, a millennial and I do think that just as we've had this company, my business partner is as well. As we've had this company, I think it's just been it's felt right to be uh, as authentic to us as we mm-hmm. can be. And so I think a lot of the times we make decisions that appeal to people who are kind of also in our same age group, but also people beyond. But yeah. I definitely yeah. think that that was, that was a part of it. I liked that it was just not constant all the time because food isn't constant. Agriculture changes. It's got yeah, seasons. Yeah, I, I love the sustainability aspect too. I feel like that's Thank that's you. huge right now, Yeah, but it, it should be... Anyway, you know, it shouldn't just be a trend. So I love that you're you're having that sustainable aspect. I think that's not only hot for the season, but I also think it's really great all around. I can't tell you how much when I first tasted the gin, I got those like Italian citrus notes, which oh. is why I said this needs to be spritzed. I loved it. And I mean, <laughs> maybe I'm biased because I am a huge gin person. Yeah. Um, but I even, you know, even before we jumped on, I was like, Brad, You've tried this, right? And he's like, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Listen. Oh, yeah. This is yeah, why Devin's probably. on, okay? <laughs> the best reaction that I've ever seen anybody have at, at the tasting that we were at the event at <laughs> Bourget. It was just yeah. like, you guys were so, it, I mean, it's, it is a really lovely thing. It's, it's not so unusual um, because it's, our business concept is, cr- is pretty crazy. It's a bit out there, but it's great that we get to have this kind of unusual concept and then we bring something to people and they try it and they're like, oh, okay, wow. Like mm-hmm. this is not just a kooky, fun idea. This is like, this has the thing to back it up. Right. What I love about this, and you know, you're talking about when Jules, you asked, you're like, well, so can you make more? And it's it's a matter of the available materials being there. Right. So I guess you'd have to go back out, out to Austria, right? To, we to do have this to. And, yeah. Who, go back you out know, to the, do I do I want to uh, take another trip to, damn, to damn, Southern twist Austria my arm. Northern Italy? I mean, if if it's for work, I guess I I must. Yeah, totally. Well, the, the, I guess you know where I was going with this is that it's it's like these are like collectors, right? Like collector yeah. items. So that's kind of what we hope. Yeah. Well, it, it totally is, and the beautiful artwork. Yeah. And whatnot. Yeah. I mean, come on. So those those artist series that actually really is talking again. I think over time, I've just really been inspired by the wine industry and how it's kind of mm-hmm. matured and evolved over time, but. The artist series and the the labels definitely that was an inspiration or inspired by Mouton Rothschild. They Chateau Mouton Rothschild had mm-hmm. a series that started in like the forties, where they would get artists to to supply a, a piece that would feature on the label, but the rest of the label would look consistent. It was identical mm-hmm. from release to release. But mm-hmm. they had like super famous artists like Miro and Dolly provide pieces. And then when you saw them all together, exactly like it was like a collection. You wanted to have them all together to make this beautiful kind of portfolio of all these different pieces. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's been an idea. It's, it's a goal of ours to make it kind of like that, very collectible. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, with my the bottle that I have. I'm like, gosh, I, I'll be sad when I get to the bottom of it because it's like I know. it's gone. I, will I be able yeah, to get another one? Too. <laughs> Where will I find it? The one thing you can guarantee is that you will be able to make or be able to get something else that yeah. we've made, and hopefully, everything just becomes more and more delicious. I feel like this gin, as much as we're, we're using it today um, in our cocktail, there's probably going to be a lot of gasps once I say this, but <laughs> I, I think that this is a great sipping gin. And yeah. I think that there are sipping gins out there. Hard to believe for some people. I know. People, yeah, people are going to revolt against the statement. They are going to have I know. opinions. Okay, so then I have a question because I was thinking about this. Would you want to chill your gin to sip on it or do you want it? Interesting. Yeah. Which which do you think? I this is I mean it's it's a contentious topic to some degree. I think that heat or or a cool like cold on anything will depress the flavor slightly. Right. So personally, mm-hmm. I always need to try anything that I'm drinking spirits wise room temp first. Mm-hmm. But then I would say like yeah, a little bit of a chill on there. Maybe it's a cold glass. Maybe it's a cube like a nice cube. That's mm-hmm. kind of bigger and will slow down and not melt so quickly. That's yeah. reasonable. And like a twist of a, a lemon or something. Yeah. Definitely. That's what I was Classic. Yeah. yeah. Dash yeah. of bitters, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Like it's a dry, just like a dry martini. But, yeah, yeah. We're just talking about a martini now. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Hey. I'm not mad at that. That sounds delicious. No. Yeah. Yeah. We worked, we wanted to make something. I think it's just, it ended up being a really elegant product. Um, mm-hmm. and we used a fresh Italian juniper rather than a dry mm-hmm. juniper. I, I'm sure your audience knows, but for anything to be called gin, it needs to, a, a spirit needs to have the presence of juniper. That's the mm-hmm. defining ingredient. Most gin, most commercially available gin uses a dry juniper. It's just mm. easier to transport. And I think it's just kind of traditionally been that way. Mm-hmm. We had this Italian varietal of juniper that we got access to that was just so gorgeous. I mean, it was like big, like a big blueberry size and had enough residual sweetness that we could eat it, which is crazy. I've never done that with juniper before. It wasn't like something you'd want to eat necessarily, but you could. And Still cool, yeah. Yeah, distilled into this beautiful spirit that just had a very verdant and green, but also kind of floral note in a way that a lot of juniper distillate or... Gin has kind of a sharp evergreen kind of in its worst form, maybe pine solely mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. of flavor. Mm-hmm. Yep. This was different. And I think that's what helps make it a sippable gin versus just like a cocktail gin. I kind of would love if you could walk through what is gin? Where does it start from start to finish? Because I think that distillation for any spirit is where it gets really confusing, especially for gin, because, you know, you've always, maybe people haven't, I, I say that, you've always heard, but I've always heard that gin is just a more sophisticated vodka. But if you, right. you know, sometimes it's hard to wrap your head around. So gin always starts out as vodka. So if you could walk us through from start yes. to finish how gin is made, I think that's going to help a lot of people too. Oh, happily. Myself included. <laughs> the gin vodka comparison is really interesting because it is and it is not like vodka. It does and does not start with vodka. Mm-hmm. Gin mm-hmm. primarily or usually starts with spirit that is made from some kind of grain, grape, but it's usually neutral, which just means it's been distilled to such a degree that there's like no flavor really from the Mm -hmm. mother starch or sugar source. And vodka can be like that. Vodka can be pretty neutral. Often Mm -hmm. it is, but now there are more and more vodkas that aren't. So in that way, yes, it it has been, but vodka is kind of like making its own way in the world and is deviating. Well, if I can interrupt you for a second, do you think the reason that vodkas are starting to show up like full flavored is because of the cost of making vodka in that giant tower that you must have. Uh, yeah, right. The continuous column stills. For context, I think it's got to be something like four stories tall or something. Like you need a massive column to really create <laughs> to do a it truly in one neutral go, spirit. To do it yeah. in like one shot. Yeah. So those really gigantic column stills, they're extremely impressive. They're extremely expensive systems. I mean, we're talking at a minimum $1.5 million and going up from there. But yeah, those things can, you can make 
a neutral spirit on a lot of different systems. It's just not going to be as efficient. So with one of those four-story crazy columns, you can do it in basically one go and that'll be a couple hours. With another still, it's going to be multiple redistillations and that's going to take days and days. Hmm. So I do think it's partially that. I also think that two years ago now, two years ago, the TTB, which is the governing body that kind of rules over the definitions of spirits in America, changed the rule on vodka. So previously there was language that said that it needed to be without uh, a notable character, aroma, taste, and I think that was probably it. Mm -hmm. But now that's been removed. So now legally vodka can have character where it couldn't for many years, which is kind of hard to navigate or or to uh, regulate, but it's officially gone. You know, and I feel like that it should be, right? Because if you think about when they made vodka before it got really popularized, like they weren't making it in these giant stills and doing it over and over and over no. and over again. They were, oh they were like God, making no. it in their like pot still or whatever it was that they were making it in. And there you go. There's your vodka. And I, honestly, I like yeah. the flavor of it coming out of the still. Right. You can taste what it was made from. If you, you guys, I'm going to go on so many tangents because you guys are hitting all these things that I love historically. <laughs> but if you do go back, so one of the coolest things about vodka is that it can be made from anything. Yep. As opposed mm-hmm. to a lot of other, like bourbon has to be made from at least 51% corn and otherwise it has to be usually grain. But vodka can be made from any sugar or starch source. So yeah, if you do it right, you can get all these beautiful flavors, aromas, cat, like uh, character from something like a carrot. Mm-hmm. Well, did you know that I got sent a Lay's potato chip vodka? What? Whoa. Really? I kid you not. Please tell me that they mashed the Lay's potato chips in and literally fermented from that. Ugh. I wish they did. And I wish they sent me a bag of chips. They just sent me the bottle. <gasps> they didn't? Like, Damn. Dude, you got yeah, a bag they of chips with that? I know. I know. Oh, if you, you say guys, it's all that in a bag of chips, you can't. You right. just say it's all that. <laughs> so apparently... For the Lay's, they're just using their potato, like extra potatoes uh-huh. and making vodka from their potatoes that they normally would with chips. Oh. Isn't there like yeah. seasoning involved too, though? Wouldn't we think that that's th- kind of I, part of it? I have to say it was, It. I mean, I hate to say this because, you know, it's, it's- Lay's. It was smooth though. Like it was just Love fine it. vodka. Like I was surprised. I, it didn't, you know, it wasn't repulsive like some vodkas can be. Right. I was actually pretty impressed. I was like, all right. okay, all right, Lay's, all right, I see you. Would have liked a bag of chips though, but that's a discussion for another time. <laughs> that would have been the cherry on top. But mm-hmm. can I tell you guys a really quick life hack that I think everybody will appreciate and you will yes. never open a bag of chips from the same? Open yes. it from the bottom. When you get a bag of chips, turn that over. Can I curse on here? Turn yeah. that shit over. <laughs> open it from the bottom. All the flavor and transit settles oh, in the base. Yeah. You turn it over, right. most flavorful handfuls right on top. Why mm. have I never thought of that? Smart. Instead, I'm just like jamming my finger in the bottom, like exactly. wetting my right. finger and like rubbing like, oh, the good stuff down <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, nope. That's funny. The Lay's thing, I was kind of thinking when you were talking about it, are they making it taste like potato chips because they're doing something post-distillation to infuse flavor in it? And it sounds like they're not, but that is how mm. gin is made. So the juniper, mm-hmm. which is required, is not the base of the spirit. It's not a spirit made from juniper. It's spirit that is flavored with juniper and mm-hmm. other botanicals, usually via either maceration or vapor basket infusion. Mm-hmm. So there's a finished spirit that's usually neutral. And then an entire list of botanicals and spices and fruits and all sorts of other stuff now. Probably potato chips, somebody else is yep. doing that. But <laughs> yes. tomatoes and, I mean, kelp and all sorts of fun and interesting ingredients. And that is infused after the finish, the spirit is finished. Mm-hmm. And from that you have gin. And one of the right. most interesting things to me about gin is that typically because the the base is neutral, you're basically creating the entire character of the spirit. You're building it entirely. Like you have mm-hmm. almost total control. So you have to construct like scaffolding the structure and then all of the flavor and think about how that's going to hit people's palates and the full experience. And I think that's kind of, that was a big part of how we designed our gin. We wanted it to have a lot of bright citrus, but we also wanted to have this like classic spicy backbone. And so mm-hmm. we infused a couple of different peppers, a black pepper, a long pepper, 
And I think that carries the flavor through instead of just like having it drop off. Mm-hmm. And that's unusual. Yeah. A lot of, not a lot of spirits give you that freedom, creative freedom as a distiller. have a question for you guys. What do you order when you're at a bar that is like not a craft cocktail bar at all? Negroni. It's just at, what's your go-to? Get out Negroni? of here. You, what? Come on. Negroni. Negroni. <laughs> oh, Negroni's you are like brave. Just really? a hair north of a dive bar type of order. It's the only cocktail that you really have to try hard to screw it up. That's you true. really have to work for it for it it's to be three bad. Things. Yeah. It's in yeah. all equal parts. I mean, I think the best thing is an equal parts cocktail because unless they don't know it's an equal parts cocktail, then you can well, run into some issues. That's the problem. And I will say also ice with a Negroni. I like a really yeah. fine chip ice in a Negroni does make me sad a little bit. It makes me frown. You don't like ice in your Negroni? I do, but I want like a big ass. It needs cube, a big you know? cube. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's funny now that I've really gotten in this. I, I ordered a Negroni recently, and it wasn't a dive bar, but it also wasn't a craft cocktail bar. It was like right in the middle, right in that middle. And yeah. I ordered a Negroni, and I the first sip, oh my god, it was a sucker punch of gin to the throat. <laughs> and then I took my orange slice that was in there, and I kind of mixed it around, and I sipped it, and I was like, ah, oh, much better. And then I took a second, and I was like, they build this cocktail in the glass. And they hardly stirred it. Damn it. Seems. And it was like $16. <laughs> are you kidding me? Oh, oh are, okay. We actually, have you guys talked about this before? What? Like building what, in glass versus non-building. <laughs> well, not too. But like, how do you feel about built-in glass cocktails? We haven't talked about how we feel about them, but we've definitely okay. talked about building glass cocktails. I feel okay. like if you're at home and you need a quick fix, totally fine. Hey, make it how you like it. Yeah. But if I'm Reasonable. paying money for a stirred cocktail, it needs to be stirred in a mixing glass. Yeah. yeah. Or if it's carbonated, make it in the glass, right? So the carbonation right. kind of helps, you know, move things around. But sure. I uh, I still want to see a bar spoon go in there and like bring stuff from the bottom up to the top, right? Because yeah. I don't want all soda I water or whatever. understand how you can adequately mix a cocktail if you just have like one big ass cube and then all of the ingredients was underneath and you're just doing like a couple stirs in there. Yeah. I just, I don't think it's properly mixed. Don't think it's properly diluted. Yeah. I mean, people build Bloody Marys in a, in a glass and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, are you, you can't, kidding me? Yeah. I mean, can we, we <laughs> just know we transfer it a couple times between Bloody glasses? Bloody Marys seriously. So <laughs> oh, yeah. are you a bloody, are you a bloody boy? I'm a bloody man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hate bad bloodies. I really do, which I rarely order them in a bar unless I know you know, it's a good bloody. I don't like them super thick. Uh huh. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I love Too bloody chunky. marys with gin. You know, gin's Me awesome too. in a bloody mary. Oh, oh my, my god! god. Yeah. I am. I am all on the gin in a bloody mary train. Yeah. Big totally. Time. It's so nice to have a, a cocktail that's like really good, but also savory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yeah, that's kind of fills you up. It really is nice. Yeah. Do I like the big smorgasbord that comes with it? Sure. You know, but I don't expect a lot out of the drink if that's the case, you know, because now I'm just right, going for, right. for sustenance. But if you just give <laughs> me a, a celery stick or a pickle in my Bloody Mary, I'm good. You know, I'm totally oh, yeah. good. Are you kidding? Yeah. A pickle in a Bloody Mary? God, wonderful. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. So what do I order when I go to a dive bar? A dive or maybe even just like just a hair like, north because mm-hmm. there's like bars that exist kind of in that middle, Mm -hmm. it's almost like a dead zone between like dive (laughs) and cocktail bar where it's just like, I get it. You guys are trying. It's maybe not the most cocktail setup, cocktail friendly Mm -hmm. setup, but you know, there's like Campari on the back bar and there's a vermouth somewhere, probably not in a fridge, but it's it's around, it's floating out there. Yeah, I hate this question too. When I go to like a dive bar and somebody's like, hey, you're the cocktail guy. What should I order? I'm like, dude, this is a dive bar. You should order a whiskey and Coke. You know, or like, a high life, but like, or a beer, right? Lower your expectations. Yeah. And so, literally, when I go to a, a dive bar, it's I order scotch and soda. I yep. will order my my dad was a bartender and you know, he passed away a number of years ago, and he would drink Windsor, which is a Canadian blended whiskey. Not everybody knows about that either. That's kind of an upper Midwest thing. That is, okay. yeah. I, I I've definitely seen the Windsor bottle before, but I think that that's a Lesser yeah. appreciated classic. It is. It yeah. really is. A big deal here because a lot of it came over the 
the border during Prohibition. Sure. But he drank Windsor soda and a splash of Coke. And it was called a Windsor Cloudy. And so that's, I just, I drink that because I know what that tastes like. And I know the bartender can't screw that up. Yeah. Yeah. No offense to dive bar bartenders. Look, I'm not calling you out. I'm just saying. Are you salt of the earth? Yeah. Yeah. No. And you like, if I came in and said, hey, give me a mojito. They're going to be like, get the fuck out of here. Right. Read the room. Yeah. What are you doing? What are you talking about? Hey, this guy wants a mojito. (laughs) That's totally what would happen, you know? So laugh you at the door. If I'm if I'm at a bar that's a step up, so that now let's say they've got cocktails on the menu, right? Right. I will look for an old fashioned because mm. I just I know that there's not going to be a lot to screw that up. Although I did Kinda just like recently, I was like, oh god, I had an old fashioned. Where the heck was I? It was like a vanilla something old fashioned, and it was like gross, and I was oof, so bummed out, oof, and I had to oof, choke oof. the thing down. I don't know um, about that. Oh, it was bad. Vanilla I, was, I, I, I saw it and I'm like, I shouldn't order this. I just shouldn't <laughs> order this, but I'm going to. And yeah. And, and, and then it was like, I was done. I like, I didn't want anything else on the menu. And so then I went back to like scotch and soda, you know, or a highball. Yeah. So it's one yeah. of those like litmus tests where if you get a Negroni or an old fashioned, or for me, for like a legit cocktail place, my go to order for trying to like, suss out their level is a daiquiri. Oh yeah. I yeah. Feel like the that daiquiri is, test. That's a thing. That is the ultimate test of like a place that genuinely calls themselves a cocktail place. But if I'm going into a place that's like dive or just, if I'm going into a dive bar, my always go-to is a high life and a shot of Fernet. That is my standard. Mm. Oh, look nice. at you. <laughs> yeah. Shot of Fernet. You know what you're yeah. doing. <laughs> you know what you're doing. You order yeah, that, people are like, oh, she knows. Yeah. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I've ordered Fernet be before, and they're like, "Are you in the industry?" And I'm like, oh, "Kind of." <laughs> could be. Could yeah. be. Could yeah. be related. Kind of bringing us back. Would you guys ever order a Singapore sling at a dive bar? On, Absolutely not. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. At a cocktail bar, I feel like, <laughs> I, feel like a Singapore, <laughs> I feel like a Singapore sling really threw me because I was like, you know what? I don't know if I've ever seen one of these on a menu, and I've definitely never ordered it off menu. No. Right. Mm, I've no, definitely you never know gone you're up gonna and have been to explain like, it. Yeah. But it is really good. It is it is a bit of work. It's not so much yeah. work, but it's it's like just as far as kind of classic cocktails go per number of ingredients, it's up there because mm-hmm. I think there's like right. five or six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're smaller yeah. amounts, but it is so good. Yeah. yeah. When they're made so right. Good. Yeah. When they're made correctly. There's a place in San Francisco um at the Fairmont Hotel called the Tonga Room. Have you ever Ooh, been to the Tonga I've Room? Been there. Isn't that a I cool place? That's a super yeah. cool place. Yeah, it's, it's super cool. It's I think on it's my the list. oldest yeah. continuously running tiki bar in the United yeah. States. Mm-hmm. Wow. Iconic, so, iconic place. Yeah. We need to have an art of drinking podcast map of all these cool spots. Oh, that's a hell of an idea. What? Yeah. Definitely wow. do a map. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> or an app. Jewel. Yeah. Or an hey, app of a map. Stop it. We've got to get an app. The ideas. I don't know how to. I have no idea how to make an app. Not no, even me neither. The no. shred of an idea, but Star- you guys I was looking up how to build a website today. I'm like, how do I build a website? Squarespace. Squarespace. That's what I said. Yeah, I was like, that's easy. So it's There's actually so the Tonga room is what got me on Singapore slings, and I, I God bless those guys. Right, I've definitely walked out of there from with heartburn from a Singapore sure, sling. It could have sure. been the bartender, and I walked sure. out of there going, God, that was a great, great Singapore sling for me. What matters the most is fresh pineapple juice in yeah. Singapore sling. If it's stuff out yes. of a can, it's like, meh. Yeah. The fresh pineapple juice, which I would say matters the most, and it is the first ingredient to be overlooked or kind of a corner is cut on is totally. the pineapple juice. But it yeah. does make, pineapple juice is just, you know, we get into the chemistry of cocktails at this point, but there's something about like fresh pineapple juice is essential Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also that stabilizing factor of the fresh lime juice is also yep. Oh, 100%. Key. And for everybody listening, we did at the beginning of this episode say that we are going to talk about the Singapore sling. Yeah, we can and talk I know about you're it. wondering, what the <laughs> hell's in a Singapore sling? Ah, fuck, so look at the description. You should, <laughs> you should walk people through at least yes. the ingredients because there is an ingredient that we talked about last season that is is not used every day. And that's the cherry... Hearing. 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 Oh, it's not hearing. hearing? It's hearing. This whole time? Yeah, there's two E's in there. Looking like an idiot? There's two E's? Yeah, it's two E's. It's two E's. Wow. 
Guys, you learn something new every day. I thought I had it that time too. You think you're I saw you going for it and I'm like, here, 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 E. Hard E. Here. You were just pointing at your ears. Yeah. Sounds like no ear. No ear. Yeah. But it's good that we're bringing this ingredient back because people may have gone out for your recipe, Brad, and now they're like, okay, well, now what? And here you go. Here we are. I love that you guys are doing that, by the way. I think it's very underappreciated to give people recipes that use things that they already have in their bar because it's it's tough if you constantly have to go out and buy like a new, another new ingredient right. and you have like, you know, the, yeah. the amount of hearing that was used in this was little. So the right. people are like, okay, I've used... I'd half yeah, an ounce that of that. Has and I just have a whole bottle, bottle now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, this, I, I can't tell you how much money I've lost to uh, alcohol that has turned, right? And oh, I'm not God. talking about like, you know, vodka doesn't turn, right? But elderflower liqueur will turn. I've had hearing oh, turn, you know, vermouths will time. definitely turn. And so yeah. it's important to, you know, kind of get this Use stuff that. in the rotation. Yeah. So. Yeah, vermouth, even though, and I, I assume most people know that that's got to go in the fridge just after, immediately after. We've been kind of hammering that. Yeah. After you yeah. even, <laughs> yeah. trust even us. still, yeah. even still, that's only extending it. You're only getting like max six weeks. This yep. is not yeah. like your 20-year-old on the shelf bottle. Like this is once it's open, Though you're getting have it that just a couple weeks. Yes. Oh, man. That is not a good flavor. Yeah. The other thing about vermouth is a lot of people are like, oh, well, vermouth's kind of gross. It's like, oh, no, no. There's like, you can sip a good vermouth. Like I, I have surprised beautiful people flavors. with beautiful vermouths. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Beautiful yeah. flavors. Yeah. yeah. It goes, yeah. Right in a, goes right in a glass. That's why I would rather a dry martini than a, a, a dirty martini, personally. All the way. I'm with yeah. you on that one. I, I mm-hmm. haven't, I don't know if it's just not, you know. With That's every, my new personality trait. Yeah. Dry martini. <laughs> that is also my new personality trait. That's funny that yes. you said that because 2022 definitely became the year that I was like, oh, I'm into martinis now, specifically mm-hmm. dry martinis. Yes. And I have friends who are very into the dirty martini. They want a I filthy little the, martini. Uh, and yeah. It's all the right They want the blue now. cheese stuffed olives in there. And it's like, okay, I get it. Personally, not my vibe. <laughs> I like the dry. I know, I'm I like with you. Dry. I'm with you. I like the dry and I like an onion. Oh yeah, Gibson. Ooh, yeah. There you Gibson. go. Onion, yeah. oh yes. Do you, do you know why the Gibson got popular? No. Queen's Gambit. Oh, the show that came out just a couple uh-huh. years ago? Yeah, the oh, Gibson like re-popular. spiked in popularity. Oh, yeah, again. okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was a big deal a long time ago and then it just disappeared. <laughs> I and mean, Queen's Gambit comes out and people are ordering Gibsons again. TV did that with the old fashioned too, right? With um, totally Mad Men, Mad Men, yeah, mm. right. Yep. It was kind of like that was what they were all. Yeah, all James Bond, Meg Lewandowski, a white yeah. Russian, right? <laughs> I feel it's like true. that one still has yet to really quite hit its stride. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. It might be yeah. coming back. It might, you know, uh, twenty twenty three might be the year that we really something about embrace. It where you, yeah, a white you like Russian. it for a second, and then that just washes away. I actually think that's another one like a Singapore sling. Don't think I've ever gone out and ordered it at a bar. Right? Yeah. I don't yeah, think the, I've ever done that. Russian. Yeah, white Russian. Uh, I don't think I've ever ordered it. There's a Russian vodka it. bar here. We, I mean, I personally don't like a lot of creamy drinks, even though we just did a couple of creamy drinks, which I'm good for like one, right? Yeah. But a white Russian, it's just, it's so rich, you know? Oh, just, yeah. Is it? Yeah, it yeah. just hangs. It's like a dessert yeah. and you're like, okay, I'm just done. Like, I can't and drink it. it kind of like coats your mouth. It's really hard to... Yeah. You have to fully reset after. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, what were we talking about? Oh, uh, what's Singapore in the Singapore sling? All right, let's let's yeah. bang this out. Singapore sling. All right, so get your shaker. Again, I use the Boston shaker, 2818, 10 on 10. And uh, I did a ounce and a half of the 1643 gin, which worked out beautifully in here. Agreed. And so the 1643 Alpine gin is what I used. And then a half ounce of cheery hearing. Cheery. 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 Half ounce. And then you're going to want a quarter ounce of Cointreau, a quarter ounce of Benedictine. And when you get Mm -hmm. the Benedictine, make sure you're looking at Benedictine that says Dom, Mm D-O-M, not B&B. Because that's brandy and Benedictine. You want Benedictine Dom. And then uh, you're going to want an ounce and a half of fresh pineapple juice. Super easy to juice a pineapple. You just got to throw it through a chinois or filter. So don't stress out about that. By the way, you're going to drink the heck out of it. It's so good when it's fresh. And then a half ounce of fresh lime juice and a third of an ounce of grenadine. And you can make your own grenadine with pomegranate juice, sugar, 
and just a couple tablespoons of uh, of lemon juice. So there's a lot of great recipes out there. Just Google it, but it's just equal parts. Yeah. There's one on the website. So yeah, I did yeah. two cups of sugar, nice. two cups of uh, pomegranate juice, and then two tablespoons of uh, of lemon juice, and then a dash of Angostura bitters. Mm, and you yeah. shake that up, get a, a highball glass. And I put cracked ice in mine uh, because I've been making ice with hand over fist. It's so freaking cold here in Minnesota right now. Uh, so I'm making a lot of clear ice outside. And uh, you just pour it over the cracked ice, garnish it with, uh, I'd use three cherries, but you can put a wedge of pineapple in there if you want. You're just going to have to move it out of the way because you can't drink the drink with the wedge of pineapple in your face. Right. So, uh, and then you're off to the races. And I got to tell you, this thing is going down. Too easy. I would put this nice Singapore sling up against anybody. Yeah, yeah. mine's yeah. agreed. Just yeah. going like, it's just a like a nice hug going down my throat, but also refreshing. Yeah. But I feel like it's a fun reward. Like you put in, you put in good work for this one, and then you're hit with a great reward. That's what I love yeah. about this. But it's the juice is definitely worth the squeeze in this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good Touché. one. Touche. Yeah. Yes. You've yeah. been sitting on that one a little bit. That's that was good. Yeah. Been dying. Yep. Yes, All I season. Have. <laughs> yeah. That yep. yeah, that cocktail is just delightful. As far as cocktails yeah. go that are that feel tiki or tiki adjacent, I feel like sometimes they can be a lot and it can mm-hmm. be very overwhelming to your palate and yeah. in a good way. But just like we were talking about with the white Russian, maybe not something that you can have more than one. I would not put the Singapore sling in that category. I feel like you mm-hmm. could have a couple and you're still feeling good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. this is a this is this just goes down too easy. Interesting thing you said about tiki is that, you know, you think of the Singapore sling as a tiki drink and I guess it could fall in that category cuz it kind of gives you that escapist feeling, which is what tiki was all about, right? Like getting away. But it's it was it came out way before tiki became a thing. Like it came out in 1915 yeah. and tiki came out in the 30s. So oh. it's is is it is it even did it originate in America? No, I think it, it didn't. Right, Singapore. it's like in Asia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hence the name. Great, great job. <laughs> <laughs> just goes to show you guys. <laughs> just you know, you can be smart, you can be successful, and you can still say the dumbest things. In the hey, world. <laughs> listen, uh, I remember in, the name. Like, in my early in my career, I was talking to a, a buddy who was a leader in another company. I'm like. It's like, yeah, you know, there's like, I don't know, how many companies are in the Fortune 500? Like a thousand? And he's like, 500. <laughs> I'm like, right, right. I thought it was maybe mm-hmm. like 500 million yeah. in sales. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the answer is just so obviously sitting right in front of your face that you have to overlook it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Okay. So it came out in Singapore. Well, it originated in Singapore in 1915. Yeah. 1915 at Raffles, which was, yeah. So Singapore was a British colony. Yes. A lot of plantation, a lot of British plantation owners out there, and they would all descend upon raffles and uh, go to the long bar. And the long bar was just like tables pushed together, and they would drink whiskey and gin. Hmm. Women were, it was kind of frowned upon for women to drink. It was just not, it was not good etiquette for a lady to drink alcohol in public. And oh so God. the bartender at raffles was like, all right, I'm going to dial this in. He created a drink that looked like they're drinking fruit juice. And women of high society knew that if you wanted a drink, you would go to raffles in the long bar and you'd get a Singapore sling and you could nice. have your tipple and nobody would be the wiser. Yeah, so that, an undercover that. tipple. An undercover wow. tipple. Yeah. And raffles is like an, an iconic hotel or resort type of building in totally. Singapore, Yeah, it's right? still there today. And yeah. that is one place that is on my bucket list to see oh, is, is raffles. Like I just, I've got And to go. get a Singapore sling. Totally. Now, here's the thing: like they 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 pre-mix them now, right? Because you know, it's, I know They're what a bummer. So many. Yeah. But it's like you know, no. like, don't you kind of feel like hey, nothing on raffles? Like hey, you want to invite me on? I'm coming, right? We'll talk about the sure. Singapore sling. <laughs> but yeah. um, I just haven't had theirs, and so I'm sure it's delightful. But <laughs> when they start to mass produce drinks, because like oh well, let's bottle it, let's do this, let's do that, and so it's no longer like made fresh. Like if you go into the Buena Vista in San Francisco and you order an Irish coffee, which they make. A gajillion of those things a day. Crazy amount. They make each one of those right in front of you, yeah. right? It's, it's not pre-made. No. Nope. It's fresh. Yeah. Yep. And it's good. Honestly, right. it is very good. Yeah. Like figure your program out, right? It's tough <laughs> because what is, I mean, a cocktail is so much about the experience of drinking it as much as it is, as it is the actual drink itself. And so to think about something like that, like you, you go as a person in America, go all the way over to Singapore 
really excited to go to this place, this historic site and have a Singapore sling. And you go to the bar and you order one and it's pre-mixed. It would just kind of be like, oh, a bit, yeah. of, a, a bit of a bummer. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Pack it that you're well, shaking that out of? What's happening? <laughs> now we have Brad's recipe to make it at home. Yeah. That's what matters. That's, That's right. what you matters. You can create right there. your own atmosphere. Yes. Yes. I want to talk about you and what you're doing and what's going on with with everything. Cool. Give us give us everything you got. Yeah. Sure. I'll touch on the magazine. First, we've mentioned it. It's not, I can't say it's, it's not my magazine. Uh, I don't own it, but I do. I've worked at a magazine called Artisan Spirit for, geez, now it's six years, which is has been incredible. And I've just been writing for them that whole time. And it's such a special experience as a writer because I've gotten a lot of freedom. I can basically pitch just about any idea that I have related to the industry and mm. it usually gets accepted. And it was wonderful to spend so much time talking to kind of what I got into there was um, interviewing people who had already started doing spotlights of craft distilleries, small distilleries. Cool. It was so great to do that ahead of starting my own and hear about how people talk about their their distillery and how they they talk about their inspiration and their motivation for for making spirits and starting a company. And I'm still writing for that magazine. I still love the people there. I think that's a beautiful publication. I think it looks good. Got a lot of great info. Unfortunately, slash fortunately, I can't contribute as much as I used to because now I'm very occupied with Leva <laughs> and with our own production. So I am in Tennessee, in Nashville, Tennessee. Have you guys been? Oh, yeah, I was just there. I have oh, really? I'm not yet. Yeah. You've never been? I know. It's on my list. It's on my list. Jules, the cocktail scene here is actually very solid. It I, is. I know. I've heard. I know. There's a lot. I've never even been to New Orleans as an adult. I, there's there's places what? on my list. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I, I have places. I have recommendations for both of those cities. Amazing. Because um, the last product we made was in New Orleans. See, Got to spend a lot Should of time. Go on there. our podcast map. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm actually going to be going to New Orleans on February 14th, Valentine's Day, to go for Mardi Gras finally. So I'm That's very so awesome. gotta get a hurricane. Yeah, you oh, going I to Pat O'Brien's? Speaking of pre-mixed cocktails, but you gotta Pat get O'Brien's. a hurricane. I will probably be going to get a Irish coffee. Talking about yes, pre-mixed, yes. you gotta go to the Sazerac Bar oh, at the Roosevelt and get a Ramos Gin Fizz. Right. Oh yeah, I've actually never done that before, oh, so I do need to do that. It is so good. That or the Carousel Bar. And, uh, and then, of course, the you got to get a size rack. And then, of course, you got to get a milk punch, right? You got a milk oh, punch. Milk punch? There. Oh, yeah. my God. The um, Brandy milk punch? The bourbon milk punch. Or the bourbon. The they, bourbon they don't mind punch. if you put bourbon in it. Yeah. They don't mind. Yeah. They don't have a problem. No qualms. No. So I'm going to be doing that. But right now, I'm in Nashville to make our next product, our next spirit, which is very oh. exciting. So uh, we made a gin, obviously, uh-huh. you know, subject of, of what we're talking about today. And then we made a rum that was a botanical rum. So it was just a rum that we made and infused with a couple of botanicals. And so it kind of felt like we, what we did really well was make spirits and infuse into spirits. And so I think a natural kind of evolution of that is that now we are making a Southern aperitivo. Oh, stop Here it. in Nashville. Tell me oh, more. Oh, God. But... Yeah. It's our little twist. So aperitivos, you know, infused like liqueurs or infused fortified wines. Mm-hmm. Typically, and this reaches back to kind of conversation we had, if it uses spirit as the base, it's neutral. There's no flavor and they're just infusing. And then obviously adding sweetener and everything. So it's liqueur level. We are using a Tennessee bourbon that we distilled here as the base. Mm. We're keeping flavor from that. Love that. And then we're just infusing into it a couple of botanicals and herbs and bittering agents. So there's going to be a tart cherry, some rhubarb, some gentian, dried lovage, cardamom, allspice, Mm. and dried orange peel. Wow. And so right now it's just tasting like kind of like cherry pie, but also like a little bit of an herbal bitter bite. It's it's really, talk about something that needs to be spritzed. It is begging wow. to be spritzed. Oh, man. I'm here for it. I love yeah. it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I can't if wait. You need, if you need 
us to come out for taste testing or Always. anything. You, you have know two what? people who will be there. We really will need help with bottling. So if you guys are happy Perfect. to help oh, on yeah, the line. Oh, yeah, that's fun yes. stuff. Right? <laughs> yes. use the hands. Yeah. Yes. Do you have a Amazing. label machine? You got to put those on by hand too. We have a label machine, thankfully, because our labels are shifting slightly and they're going to have another smaller label on the top. So now it's two-piece label. So mm-hmm. to do that by hand would be an absolute mess. Yeah. But, and we're also sweetening our new product because it's here in Tennessee. We're distilling it here in Tennessee with a sorghum syrup, which is oh, fun because wow. sorghum is a very traditional, regional, yeah. agricultural product, which actually is like a, a syrup made from grain of all things. I have never thought of sorghum syrup as being a thing. That's yeah. awesome. It's fun. It's got a really rich character. Well, you got a lot going on. So Devin, I I don't know if we've asked this. So I want to make sure we do. Where can people find you, follow you, follow what you're doing and all of that? Okay, so the company is at Liba Spirits on everything. That's mm-hmm. L-I-B-A-S-P-I-R-I-T-S. And I am really excited. We've been doing this series, me and a good friend of mine in New York where I live, called the Indie Spirit Series, which I really am proud of. We basically interview and create a video about people who just are doing something independent, whether that's art or entrepreneurship or something in between. I mean, we're covering all bases, but they're just doing something independent. They're really a part of their community. They're like providing in Mm -hmm. for, you know, the place where they live. And I think that's kind of what our whole company comes back to is, is the importance of place and how actually place is all about people and they're the thing that defines and makes a place worthwhile. So that series has been great. We have a couple of new videos. I would go check it out. And then I am at Devin Trevathan on everything. It's D-E-V-O-N-T-R-E-V-A-T-H-A-N. So find us online. I don't know, Instagram, it's cool. Yeah, (laughs) on on the Instas, as, as Brad says. Hey, Devin, thanks for coming on and keep us in the loop. Thank you guys so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Well, there you have it. Cheers, Uncle Brad. Cheers, Jules. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. Don't worry. We will have the photos and recipes for today's cocktails on the website, joinjules.com. And if you got questions or comments for us, hit us up on the Insta at The Art of Drinking Podcast. And of course, find Jules at joinjules. Or Cigars and Vino, that's me, also on the Insta. And hey, subscribe to my cocktail club on Facebook. All you'll need to do is search Join Jewels Cocktail Club, and there you'll see what other cocktail enthusiasts are shaking up. This is a Red Rock Music Podcast. Don't forget, subscribe, like, and review The Art of Drinking with Join Jewels and your favorite uncle wherever you get your podcasts. 